Hello and welcome back to the podcast. This podcast will be talking about how Mary Tudor I was right to claim the throne as the first regent queen of England, despite the discrimination she faced during and after her time as queen, marking herself as a powerful feminist icon of her age. Let's get into it. Hello there, you're the first wife of King Henry VIII and came for Spanish royalty yourself. Would you like to tell us a little bit more about yourself and how your marriage ended so terribly? Her name's Catherine of Aragon, was married 24 years. I'm a paragon of royalty. My loyalty is to the Vatican, so if you try to dump me, you won't try that again. Wow, thank you for singing that. Um, mind telling me a little bit more about your relationship? Basically, Henry wanted to get rid of me because I wasn't giving him any sons, so he annulled our marriage by creating and declaring himself head of the Church of England. I mean, really, he thinks he's better than the Pope. Anyways, he prevented me from seeing Mary for years until I died in 1536, which then plunged my poor dear Mary into a deepest depression she'd ever been in. Next up, I'll be talking to Mary, the Queen herself. Mary, you're the firstborn child of Henry VIII and the only surviving child of Catherine. You learned classical languages such as Latin, Greek, Spanish, and were promised to become queen at your birth. You were betrothed to many as a young girl. Yes, at two years old. That's gross. All your life you were used as a bargaining chip for politics within other kingdoms, right? Yes, but they all fell through. Until I turned 11, then they started taking the wedding stuff more seriously. Being the firstborn of the monarchy, my parents both really wanted me to get a high education. Thus, I was sent away to Wales in 1531 to a school that specialised in teaching young royals how to be a ruler, the same place that my father went. Wow, Mary, that's really interesting. Do you mind if I take over and explain some more? Go ahead, I have to go to Mass for the third time today. Besides her education, it is thought that she should have been diagnosed with Dysomoronar, or endometriosis. This is recorded in documents which detail her extreme monthly pain and cramping, which was chronic and reoccurring, along with irregular hormone fluctuations and serious depression all her life. Doctors chalked it up to the usual period, but it is obvious that it was much worse than that. After Henry divorced Catherine and married Anne Berlin, who was already pregnant during the ceremony, there was intense resentment between Mary and Anne in her refusal to acknowledge Anne as her queen after tension for many years between Anne and Mary, Anne was ordered to be executed by beheading for ironically cheating on Henry. This gave Mary hope that Henry had changed her mind and she would be welcomed back. After a couple years, in order for Mary to come back, she was forced to acknowledge Henry, not the Pope, as the head of the Church of England, as well as declaring her parents' marriage illegitimate in order for her to re-enter the royal court, but her birthright was not restored. This was known as the Third Act of Succession, from 1543. It was also found in Henry's will. If she did not do what he said to do, she would receive a traitor's death. She felt guilty signing this for the rest of her life. Once the next heir, Edward, was born, Mary and Elizabeth were forgotten entirely by Henry, but later had their royal positions reinstated. Henry VIII died at 55 years old after a long line of lovers. Everyone hated him when he finally died in 1547. All he ever wanted was to have a male heir as that was what was customary at the time for a new leader. Upon his death, Edward VI became king at the age of nine and was Protestant. Mary was assigned as his godmother. He died at 15 years old, and his death was kept a secret to Mary and Elizabeth in order to make sure it was a male that was king. 
Mary tried desperately to make him be Catholic and refused to bend on her position in religion, with it being recorded in Parliament documents that her and Edward got into fights regularly on the subject. When Edward died, Lady Jane Grey was rushed to be made queen so that Mary could not be queen by the Duke of Northumberland and by Edward's advisers, who did not want to have a Catholic queen. Jane Grey became queen for nine days before being captured and sent to the Tower of London to be beheaded for high treason against Mary on February 12, 1554. Mary was made queen at 37 years old on July 19, 1553. A majority of the citizenry supported Mary and pitied the treatment she had received from Mary over her life. The public was very happy that she was finally made queen, as it was her birthright. She was not aware of Edward's death until she was given a heads up by a supporter. She arrived in London showing she is the queen and had Elizabeth by her side to show unity between the sisters. As Mary was unmarried at this time, it was arranged to marry... Prince Philip II of Spain in order to keep Catholicism alive and strong in the nation, as well as for Mary to have an heir. The couple was married on July 25, 1554, after knowing each other for only two days, one year after Mary was made queen. They were cousins, and this was his second marriage. Mary passed a law in order to keep Philip from having any power in the country, as she didn't want him or Spain to take over the British realm. Mary grew to love Philip very much, but there were rumors that he was cheating on her with other women. These rumors were never confirmed, but they were spread around the castle. The Wyatt Rebellion of 1554 happened a few months after the wedding of Philip and Mary, consisted of a group of men under the charge of Sir Thomas Wyatt that consisted of roughly two to 3,000 men. They gathered to march to fight to get England to become Protestant again, and pushed for Elizabeth to be their queen. It failed before reaching London, and they surrendered. The leaders were executed very quickly, and Mary lost her faith in Elizabeth and sent her away. A year later, the famous phantom pregnancies in 1555, the royal physician said that Mary had to be pregnant as her period had stopped and she had gained weight. The people cheered because now they knew that there was going to be an heir soon. As was tradition, Mary separated from the public eye in order to focus on having a baby. Sadly, however, there was no child. Rumors spread everywhere that there was a child and it was that it was a male, but these were all false. It is now theorized that it could have been ovarian cancer from her life of endometriosis. After this, Philip left back to Spain where there was no child and the Pope was mad at him for leaving Mary behind. Now her goal could be achieved, to make England Roman Catholic yet again. But she had to do so gently as the church had been out of the country for the past 20 years due to the great schism that Henry had played a role in. One of her advisors, Cardinal Reginald Pole, encouraged Mary to start punishing extremely heretic Protestants in an attempt to stall the Reformation from happening. This is where Mary gets her nickname, Bloody Mary. Even though her father, Henry, had executed around 70,000 people while in power, that part of his legacy tends to be forgotten by the scandal of his many wives. Mary totaled at having only 287 executions during her reign. It was considered a necessity for royalty to keep people in line by execution. These martyr stories were recorded by John Fox and are the reason she got so much hate. She got to get her revenge on Thomas Kramer, who basically ruined her life by telling Harry to excommunicate and divorce Anne and Mary. In 1558, when the French recaptured Cayuse, which had been owned by England since the 4th century, she said, When I die and am opened, you shall find Philip and Calice buried in my heart. 
Her five-year reign ended during the 1558 influenza pandemic. After all of her years of hardship, she had lost her youthful face, and people found her ugly and not as charming as before. She had gray hair, no eyebrows, a receding hairline, and was very pale. At this point, people knew that she was ill and were preparing her effects, even though she refused to admit she was near the end. She died on November 17, 1558. Elizabeth was quickly doctrined in and reversed all of Mary's work, putting Catholicism back into the country. When Elizabeth died, James I put Elizabeth's coffin on top of Mary's in a vault in Westminster Abbey with a large monument to Elizabeth erected. Mary was only given a mention on a small black slab of marble that reads, Bloody Mary. Mary was the rightful queen of England and started the line of female monarchs. Though she had her struggles, it was no different or worse than kings that had come before her. Mary ruled as a woman, and she articulated female sovereignty and said that a queen is like the mother of a nation. She faced many trials, and many left her, her father, her mother, her husband, and eventually her people. Though she was not a shining example of the perfect ruler, she was the first to prove that queens were not a bad thing and that lands didn't only need to be ruled by men. She passed laws that regent queens have the same amount of power as kings, aiding in the role descending queens now have five centuries later.